Welcome to the seventh episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this episode, we will take a look back at Patrick's predictions for the weekend, a review of the NBA action of the last week. We'll take a look back at the results of NFL Super Wildcard Weekend and have a preview of the college football playoff national championship game. Let's start with a look back at Patrick week, Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. And we'll start with college basketball, where number 15 Rutgers was upset by Ohio State, 79-68. to Patrick incorrectly picked Rutgers to win that game. Number 4 Texas beat number 14 West Virginia, 72-70. to Patrick correctly picked Texas, and West Virginia was the betting favorite here, even though they were the lower-ranked team, so this was a correct underdog pick for Patrick. Uh, number 19, Clemson, and North Carolina was postponed due to COVID concerns, and Patrick, Patrick's other game that he picked for the weekend was number 16, Minnesota losing at number 5, Iowa, 86-71, and Patrick correctly picked Iowa to defeat the Golden Gophers. Patrick, your thoughts on your NCAA hoops predictions for the week where you went 2-1. and one. Um, I did not expect Rutgers to lose this game. I expect all Big Ten teams that kind of play the same team twice in the year just because of how close that conference is, maybe with the ex- uh, exception of the few teams that those series will go 1-1. One and one. Rutgers actually goes 0-2 against Ohio State. They're on a pretty bad losing streak right now, not looking good for them. And yeah, as you said, Texas was a underdog, even though they're number four in the country, which was surprising, but had to pick them because of that. And then Iowa, as I just said, I expect all those teams to go one and one in those two game series across the year. And Minnesota won the first matchup, so I thought Iowa had to win the second one. All right, let's look at the NBA where the Jazz beat the Bucks 131 118. Patrick incorrectly picked the Bucks to win that matchup. Uh, similarly, Patrick incorrectly picked the 76ers over the Nuggets. The Nuggets won that game 115 to 103, although the 76ers only had seven players available for the game and only one starter. So that was a. A little bit of a tough luck for your pick there, Patrick. Uh, the Suns beat the Pacers 125-117, to with you correctly picking the Suns to win that game. And another uh, pr- game that you predicted that had COVID issues, the Heat at the Celtics were postponed due to Miami having COVID issues. So Patrick went 1-2 and two in his NBA predictions. Patrick, your, thought on your NBA, thoughts on your NBA predictions? Good on the Jazz for beating the Bucks. I did not expect that one at all. There were no COVID complications, not really many injuries in that one either. That was just a good win by the Jazz. Um, I mean, the 76ers had such a depleted roster. They have only had, as we said, seven players. They had to have uh, rookie this year, Tyrese Maxey, score 39 to keep them even anywhere near in this game. Credit to him for that. But the Nuggets obviously easily get that win. And yeah, the Suns win that, win that game in a close one. So with respect to the uh, games in college basketball and the NBA that you predicted that were actually played, Patrick went 3-3 three and three overall in this weekend's predictions, which would bring your season total to 18-11. and 11. However, these picks don't include uh, your typical NFL weekend picks, which are normally part of these Thursday picks on the website. But we did those separately this week due to the NFL playoffs. As you will hear in detail in our NFL recap segment, Patrick went 5-1 and one in his NFL Super Wildcard weekend picks. So if you were to include those... NFL picks, Patrick would have gone 8-4 and four last weekend and would be 23-12 and 12 overall. Not too shabby, Patrick. Any closing thoughts on your predictions? Yeah, we'll get to the NFL later, but I mean, I think my picks were definitely getting some harder games in as we get later into the season and we know more about these teams in uh, both the NCAA and the NBA. And then the NFL, I think uh, I had a pretty good week with those picks, yeah. And as I said, we'll go into the detail on that a little bit more in a later segment. Um, And as a reminder, Patrick's predictions for next weekend 
will be posted on our website, fourthand24.com, every Thursday. Let's turn our attention now to a recap of the NBA's week of action. Uh, Patrick, let's start off with your thoughts on uh, who your most impressive teams were this week. At number one, you had the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets went uh, 4-1 and one this week. They beat the Timberwolves twice. They beat the 76ers. They beat the Knicks. And they only lost to the Mavericks. And, uh, you know, not necessarily the hardest opponents to beat. The Timberwolves are a struggling team. I think they're last place in the Western Conference right now. So beating them twice is not the reason why they're up here. The reason why they're up here is they had a rough start to the season, and I can see them starting to turn it around. And this was a really rapid turnaround that I didn't expect. And they really they stayed close with the Mavericks. The Knicks are not playing that badly. And, you know, the Sixers were shorthanded, but every win is a win. All right, and Patrick's uh, second most impressive team of the week is the Boston Celtics, who went 4-0 this week. Boston Celtics, yeah, 4-0. They beat the Pistons, the Raptors, the Heat, and the Wizards. Those are all some teams that have some talent on them that can definitely take a few games off of higher-level teams. And they really just kind of ran through their schedule this week, and I, I didn't really expect them to go 4-0. I would think I would have them somewhere in the 2-2, two, 3-1 two and two, three and one range. But I think 4-0 was, I, I honestly thought that would be a little bit out of their reach just due to how the NBA goes. Most teams don't go on huge streaks all the time, but credit to them for doing that. And Patrick's number three most impressive team of the week, the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, the Mavericks lose a game early in this week to the Bulls, but after that they rattle off three straight wins against some teams that are supposed to be in the playoffs in their respective conferences. Very impressive coming out of them, considering their uh, injury issues early in the season that they still have. They're finding a rhythm right now, and that's that's good for them. All right, on the flip side, we'll take a look at Patrick's most disappointing NBA teams of the week, starting off with his most disappointing team, the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, the Pelicans went 0-3, and it was not particularly the hardest schedule. This team does not have top-level contending expectations, per se, but they are still supposed to be a fringe playoff team in the West. Obviously, they have the polarizing Zion Williamson, they have Brandon Ingram around him, and they have Eric Bledsoe, the new import. But they, they lost to the Thunder and the Hornets this week, two teams that are at kind of the bottom of the barrel of the NBA. A loss to the Pacers is excusable, but an 0-3 week for this team should not be in their sights at all. And your second most disappointing team, also without a win, uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, the Hawks went 0-3 this week, just like the Pelicans did. They lost to the Knicks and twice to the Hornets. By the way, the Hornets having a decent decent run through these teams. But um, the Hawks are also supposed to be another team that, you know, not supposed to contend for a title. They have a young star, Trey Young, and some players around him, but they're not supposed to be title contending, but they do need to be a playoff team, especially considering the money they spent in the offseason and the fact that they are in the Eastern Conference. So losing to the Knicks and twice to the Hornets is not a good look, especially considering that most teams in these uh, back-to-back series have been at least winning one of those two games. All right, and Patrick's third most disappointing team of the week, the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves, not supposed to be the greatest team, but they did go 1-4, and four, and I feel like they could have won some of these games. Again, as I just mentioned, when these teams play twice in a row, most most of the time it ends up going 1-1. One and one. They played the Nuggets twice in a row and didn't win either of those games. They only beat the Spurs this week, and then they also lost to the Blazers and the Spurs. You know, the Timberwolves, they do have a lot of talent on their roster, and it seems like they're just having trouble gelling at the beginning of the season. All right, well, let's wrap up our thoughts on the NBA Week in Review with your Player of the Week. My Player of the Week is Julius Randle on the New York Knicks. He has had a double-double eight games in a row, including all four of the Knicks games this week. 
He's aver- he averaged 26.2 points per game, 32- 13.8 rebounds, and 7 assists per game. And also, not to mention the Knicks, not doing too shabby, tied for the 6th seed in the East with a 5-5 five and five record. That's it for our brief look at the NBA this week. Let's turn our attention to a more in-depth look at the very significant weekend in the NFL uh, with their super wild card weekend. Let's start with the AFC, where the number one Kansas City Chiefs, number one seeded Kansas City Chiefs, uh, had a bye, so they did not play last weekend. But the number two seeded Buffalo Bills defeated the number seven Indianapolis Colts 27-24 on Saturday. Patrick had predicted that the Bills would win this game 28-20. Patrick, your thoughts? Yeah, the Bills had a pretty good game in this one. The Colts came out and actually took the lead in this, but the Colts had some questionable decision-making that took some points away. They missed a field goal. That's not decision-making, but they also went for a touchdown instead of a field goal at the end of the first half, and they thought it would be fine because they left the Bills at their own four-yard line, though Josh Allen marched his team down in less than two minutes to score a touchdown at the end of that first half, and that ended up being about a 10-point swing. But just wanted to mention, Stefan Diggs had six receptions, 128 yards, and one touchdown. Josh Allen was 26 of 35 with 324 yards, two touchdowns, and also 11 rushes, 54 yards, and a touchdown. And, you know, Indy, they go out in this one, but I think I think they could keep Phillip Rivers around for next year. Who knows what will happen in that situation. But Indy should be looking to come back next year, look at the positive, not that game. Yeah, it's very hard for a team to go on the road as an underdog and play a quality team and win when you make the mistakes like the Bills did. You mentioned a few of them. They also got drawn off sides on fourth down um, when everybody in the in watching on television knew that's all that the Bills were trying to do, and uh, that le- that led to a touchdown for Buffalo instead of a field goal. Like you said, about a 10-point swing with mistakes, and they end up losing the Colts do by three. Um, so a, a tough tough pill to swallow for the Colts. We'll see, like you said, what the future holds for that team, their quarterback position. Uh, let's move on to number five, Baltimore, against the number four Tennessee Titans. Patrick had predicted that Baltimore would have a great game plan for this matchup, and they, they would win the game 28-24. to Patrick was correct that Baltimore did beat Tennessee the final score was 20 to 13. Patrick, your thoughts? Yeah, the score a little bit off on this one when compared to the Bills Colts one, but I think overall I had the margin and the the optics of the game correct. Baltimore outgained Tennessee in total with 401 yards versus Tennessee's 209. Marquise Brown went over 100 yards receiving, which was very unexpected and also unexpected on the other side. Derrick Henry was held to just 40 yards rushing on 18 carries. That's 2.2 yards per carry. Very, very ugly game for Tennessee. They could not do the one thing that they always do well at. They went up 10 to nothing in this game, and after that, Baltimore outscored them 20 to 3 to end the game. Baltimore really dominated from the second quarter on in this one, and they really showed that they were out. They were out for some blood against the Titans, even dancing on the Titans logo at the end of the game and walking into the locker room before shaking hands. Yep, uh, very, very disappointing finish for Tennessee to that game after jumping out to the big lead at home. Uh, the last game of the AFC, another disappointment for the home team. Number six, Cleveland upset the Pittsburgh Steelers, the number three seed, 48-37 to in the last game of NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Patrick had predicted Pittsburgh would win this game 31-24. to Patrick, your thoughts on this, this matchup? <sighs> Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. You know, you, you, you know you're probably going to lose a game when the very first snap of the game goes over your quarterback's head and into the end zone for an opposing team's touchdown. The one thing they couldn't do this week 
was give the Browns any hope with miracles and turnovers and all of that stuff, and they did just that. That is why they lost the game. Ben Roethlisberger threw two interceptions in the first quarter. The Browns ended up 28 to nothing up after the first quarter. Uh, Pittsburgh played pretty well in the rest of the game, but that's not even close. You can't just play pretty well to come back from down 28. Yeah, Pittsburgh made a game of it, which they have something to be proud of, but it was just too too deep of a hole to dig out of. And credit to Cleveland, who, as we mentioned on our last podcast, was doing dealing with a whole host of issues. Players missing, coaches missing due to COVID, inability to practice until Friday. Um, so credit to the Cleveland Browns, and uh, their fans are happy first First playoff win in a long, long time for the Cleveland Browns. So those results set up the following matchups in next weekend's AFC playoffs. The number one seeded Kansas City Chiefs will host the number six seeded Cleveland Browns at 3.05 on Sunday. And the number five Baltimore Ravens will travel to Buffalo to play the number two seeded Bills on Saturday at 8.15. Let's move to the NFC's Super Wild Card weekend action. Again, the number one seeded team did not play. That would be the Green Bay Packers, so they had a bye. And sitting at home, they watched the number two Saints beat the number seven seeded Chicago Bears 21-9 to on Sunday. Patrick had predicted the Saints would use their more balanced and experienced roster to defeat the Bears by 11 points, 31-20. to A 12-point game, had they kicked the extra, bothered to stay around to kick the extra point, would have been an 11-point game. You'd have been dead on. Patrick, your thoughts on these games, this game? Yeah, unfortunately, at the very end, the Bears get a garbage-time touchdown and Jimmy Graham walks off the field after an amazing catch with the ball and they can't kick the extra point. Dang it. Stupid Jimmy Graham making my predictions wrong. But uh, overall in this game, the Bears really didn't have much of a chance to score. The Saints really looked like they were just overall the better team on both sides of the ball on offense and defense. There's nothing that notable about this game stats-wise. It was just, I mean... The Saints had a pretty average rushing game, a pretty average game considering Drew Brees is their quarterback, but Javon Wims dropped a possible 32-yard touchdown on a well-designed play by the Bears that could have tied the game at 7-7. That was kind of their only chance to really get their, like, veer their heads back into this game, but he dropped the pass. They end up going for it on fourth down and missing it two plays later. The Saints go down, score another touchdown before the half ends, and all of a sudden it's just over for the for the Bears. Yeah, I think it'd been a different game if the Bears had not uh, dropped. I would say dropped, but he actually never even had his hands on the ball. The short touchdown pass. And don't be upset about uh, you missing your prediction by one point. I think a lot of folks who uh, bet on that game actually lost a lot of money uh, because the Bears ended up not kicking that final extra point. But uh, that's a that's a discussion for other folks who have who have other things to worry about than us. We're just talking about predictions. You want to talk about predictions being spot on uh, and in an upset at that number three Seattle was upset by the number six Los Angeles Rams 30 to 20 on Saturday Patrick correctly predicted that the Rams quote would establish the run and hold the Seahawks to around 20 points to win this game although you you had the final score 24 20 you did have the Rams holding the Seahawks to 20 points in an upset Uh, Patrick your thoughts yeah, and I also had them establishing the run, and the Rams got Cam Akers to have 28 rushes for 131 yards and one touchdown. He also had a big reception that set up a field goal late in the first half. Uh, the Rams did exactly what I thought they would do. They did everything they needed to do to win this game, which is the reason why I thought they would win this game. They dominated the game with their defense, which had five sacks total and a pick six by Darius Williams, who has picked Russell Wilson off three times this season. 
And that is just the Rams showing why defense wins championships. The number one overall defense did their job, held the Seahawks under 20 for the third time in three matchups this season. And lastly, the number five and favored Tampa Bay Buccaneers won at the higher-seeded uh, number four Washington football team, 31-23 to on Saturday. Patrick had correctly predicted the Buccaneers would win this game, uh, making him 3-0 and in NFC predictions and 5-1 and overall on the predictions for the NFL playoffs this past weekend. Uh, you had predicted a 27-17 win. Final score was 31-23. Tampa Bay, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I had the right margin. Four points off on both sides. Uh, Mike Evans in this game, after having a really scary-looking knee injury last week, came in, played very well, six receptions for 119 yards. And, man, credit, I'm going to take the rest of this to credit Taylor Heineke. This is his eighth career game, and he's being thrown out into a playoff game against the GOAT quarterback. That is insane for him to have to do, and he's with a 7-9 and nine team in the playoffs with no fans, even though he's at home. It's honestly insane that he kept his team in this game for this one, and I would expect, I was expecting if Washington had a chance to win this game, it would be on the hands of their defense, but in reality, Taylor Heineke stepped up and almost had them in this game off of their offense. Yeah, I think it was a, a, a surprising performance by Washington. A lot of people didn't expect the game to be this close. Close and exciting game, as were most of the games this weekend. Um, well, that, that NFC action sets up the following matchups next weekend in the divisional round. The number six seeded Los Angeles Rams will travel to Green Bay, where it is expected to be highs in the mid-20s, uh, to face the number one seeded Packers Saturday at 435 Eastern time. And in the other NFC game, the number two New Orleans Saints will face the number five Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the third time this season, Sunday at 640 p.m. And we will have a detailed preview of the NFL Divisional Playoff Weekend and associated predictions in our next podcast. But now let's turn our attention to the final game of this year's college football season, the College Football Playoff National Championship between number one seeded Alabama and number three seeded Ohio State, which takes place at 8 p.m. Eastern from Miami Gardens. Patrick, what's your thought on this game? I think we have a consensus on who will win this game, but this one will be electric. I think that Alabama and Ohio State will both have to deal with each other's big weapons on offense to have a chance at winning this game. Alabama might even get Jalen Waddle back from injury, who's projected, who was projected for a long time to be the number one receiver and has since been overtaken by his own teammate, Devontae Smith. They might get him back from an injury that's held him out for about six or seven weeks now. Uh, Ohio State has Chris Olave, Trey Sermon, and Justin Fields, and obviously Alabama also has Najee Harris and Mac Jones. This is just overall a crazy matchup on offense, and not to mention a lot of talent on both of the defenses too. Patrick Sertan and Sean Wade, two of the top corners in the upcoming draft too. There's a lot of Sunday talent. This is a great matchup for a national championship game. Yeah, I agree with you that Alabama's going to win. Win. I think um, I think Ohio State is still suffering. Maybe it's from some missed players due to COVID. Uh, there were rumors that the game might have to be postponed because of uh, COVID activity again in the Ohio State program. That's not going to happen. Who knows what the extent of that is? Uh, but I just don't think that, that you want to go into a game against Alabama at anything but full strength if you want to have a chance to win the game, and most people don't even have a chance if they are at full strength. I also think that uh, while Justin Fields has been a great weapon uh, for the Ohio State Buckeyes, that Alabama has the athletes all over the field to sort of neutralize his speed. I think Alabama's used to playing these types of mobile quarterbacks. Frankly, they're used to practicing against the most dangerous one uh, a year ago in Tua. 
Uh, I just don't think Justin Fields is going to be able to pull the rabbits out of the hat like he does against other opponents against an Alabama team that's laden with NFL speed. I also think Nick Saban uh, will be a big difference maker here. Uh, I don't think Steve Sarkeesian will be distracted by taking the new job to Auburn. I just see Alabama winning this game. Um, I probably think it'll be about a nine-point game is, is what I think. I don't know why I've come up with that number, but I think Ohio State keeps it interesting. I don't think it's a blowout. I don't think the game's re- ever really in doubt, but I think Alabama wins. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. I, I'd have Alabama winning this game 45-35. But, I mean, again, it's a game of which weapons can shut down which weapons. Can Patrick Sertan uh, shut down Chris Olave, or can Sean Wade shut down Devontae Smith? I would put my money more on Patrick Sertan shutting down Chris Olave, to be quite honest, and also with Alabama having just a superior scheme to deal with it based off of who they've played. As you mentioned, the other the other players that they've practiced played against, guys like Kadarius Toney on Florida, they know how to deal with speed. The SEC is all about speed at every position. I don't think they're going to walk into this game overlooking Ohio State, and I don't think they'll take anything for granted, and that could really be the only way. I think they could slip up and lose this game. I think they have pretty much significant positional advantages everywhere. Maybe their defensive line is a little uh, over undermatched against Ohio State's offensive line. But outside of that, I don't. I think Alabama is going to have a good enough game plan to take that. I agree. Well, then we talked about you talked about the lines there and some injuries. It'll be interesting. Um, Ohio State had some injuries in the game against Clemson. We'll see if any of those players come back. Alabama looking to get uh, their starting offensive lineman, whose name completely escapes me right now, so I apologize. Uh, but potentially he comes back for this game. Um, and I just think in general Alabama has more talent, be a reasonably close game, entertaining game. The one thing I would say is I'm just thankful this game's being played. Um, at the beginning of the college football season, we didn't think there would be a Big Ten season. We weren't sure how the teams would get through it. There were a lot of ups and downs and twists and turns. Games delayed, games postponed, I think. Nick Saban tested positive twice in the middle of the season before some big games, too. Yes, and obviously Ohio State's own coach, Ryan Day, couldn't uh, coach in the Michigan State game. So uh, I think I'm just going to sit back, relax, enjoy the fact that there are uh, there is a college football playoff national championship game, despite the fact that I really don't like the two teams that are playing. I'm going to enjoy it. I'll be happy for whoever wins just because we've had this distraction this year. And um, I think that's kind of my perspective as we wrap up the season. We'll obviously recap the game uh, in our next podcast and maybe take a little bit of a look ahead at next year. But, Patrick, any closing thoughts on this game or on college football season as a whole? Uh, I think this game is the perfect way to end it. A lot, of, a team, a few teams who have de- dealt with a lot of COVID issues this year is perfect to wrap it up because pretty much every team dealt with it. These teams had very unique paths to the championship game. And, you know, even with some of the players that might be returning, it might be very odd to see a player not play 10 weeks in a row and then all of a sudden come back and maybe even be the difference maker like Jalen Waddle could be. And I think, you know, it's it'll just be a great matchup. It'll be kind of like Clemson LSU last year where it was like, these are the two teams that we want in here. They got the weapons. They will make this a very interesting, fun game, engaging no matter who you're rooting for or if you're just neutral in this game. I think it's a great way to end the season. Yeah, I think one thing you pointed out, we do definitely have two of the best teams, if not the two best teams, obviously Ohio State beat Clemson. But we end the season by having a a matchup of two teams that I think everybody headed into the season would have said, that makes sense, they're playing for the national championship. And had them in the playoff, for sure. These were two top three teams, and they ended up actually exactly where they were initially ranked, I think, in the preseason, number one and number three. That's right. Well, the prognosticators were correct in this crazy, crazy year of college football. Again, we will recap that action in our next podcast. 
That wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Our next podcast will be on Friday, January 28th, where in addition to recapping the college football playoff national championship game, we will preview the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and recap the week in college basketball. But in the meantime, be sure to submit any questions or comments you might have for us or topics you'd like to hear discussed to our website at 4thand24.com, where you will find Patrick's additional content, including his NCAA tournament bracket predictions, and on Thursdays, his predictions for the weekend to follow. That's on our website at 4thand24.com, the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.